the country itself is just rocky and it's a metaphor for everything just takes longer. Well, it doesn't always look hard because of beautiful scenery around you and kind people, but it's people who have no understanding, no concept of God as well. Because the city's crowded, people don't have physical space to separate them, so they throw up relational walls and emotional walls. In every instance that we're trying to make ground for the Lord, you see the enemy very clearly working against us. There's a lot of chaos, hurt, spiritually dark places, spiritually confused places, poverty, loneliness, hopelessness. There's a reason they're unreached. Going to a hard place is sometimes something that you will not see the fruit of in, maybe in your lifetime or in your ministry time. The cost is really high to go, but we have to look at Jesus and what he has done for us. We realize that it's worth it. Now more than ever, we need to go to the hard places. Before the hard places are so hard that we're not able to be there. Because the door is opening, there is a softening, and there's a willingness to talk about faith there's going to be breakthrough, and we're going to need people ready for that breakthrough. God has always been in the hard places, and he's calling us to come and join him. And so we go. 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 And so we go to the hard places. You know, in Matthew, at the end of Matthew, Jesus tells his disciples, and he tells his followers to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. And we get that opportunity. We, in, even in our backyards, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, those can be hard places too. But we get this opportunity that we get to lean into to be able to share the gospel with those around us. And as a part of Christ Community Church, if you give to Christ Community Church, this church is committed to not only uh, giving financial support to missionaries um, locally, regionally, but around the world. Um, so as you give to Christ Community, we actually um, are very involved with several missionaries, uh, one in Cambodia, one in Turkey, we have missionaries in the Dominican Republic, and then several in Africa. Um, in fact, we have one of our missionaries um, here today that you're gonna be able to meet after this service out in the lobby. Her name is Heather Lytle, and she is with Hope for Africa. And so I'd encourage you to go and stop by and see her after this service and see the work that she is putting her hands to um, through this organization. It's really incredible. So as you give, um, we get to give as a church. And this year we're, gonna, we're giving about 17%, as much as, we, as much as we can, we want to give away in order that the gospel goes forth, not just here, not just regionally, but globally. So you, get, you are a part of that if you give to Christ Community Church. So thank you, thank you for your generosity, thank you for your continued giving. It matters, it's making a difference, and it's something that you get to be a part of, that I get to be a part of, um, that is bigger than ourselves, because it's a part of this movement right, that Daryl talked about last week, that we are a part of this movement of moving the gospel forward. So thank you for your generosity in giving. Also, if, if you uh, have giving tonight, you, you can definitely drop those in the offering boxes on the way out, um, but you can also give online. So multiple ways to give um, to Christ Community Church. 
Well, if you are new with us today, welcome. We're really glad that you've joined us today, and um, we would love to get to know you. So before you leave today, uh, stop by the welcome desk. We have a gift there for you. We'd love to uh, get to meet you. And if you are joining us online, simply click the connect button, and we'll get in touch with you from there. All right, Pastor Daryl. Thanks, Tricia. How are you guys doing? Awesome, great to see you. Um, happy MEA weekend to our educators and students, educators. You've earned the break. I hope you're getting to breathe a little bit. I'm so glad that you get a little bit of time and so glad that you've chosen to spend this weekend um, with us at Christ Community Church uh, here in the room and those of you who are online. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, really glad that we get to spend time together today. So thanks for being here. I mean, you've jumped in today, we're in week three of this series that we're calling Remember, and the reason for that title is because we're talking about some things maybe you didn't know but are really important and you'll wanna remember them, assimilate them into your life. Maybe you're gonna hear some stuff in this series that you already knew, and you need to be reminded of this, maybe not from a knowledge standpoint, but maybe from a commitment standpoint, you need to step in or take another step in to some things that you've already known. And so it's been a great series so far, so I'm really glad that you get to be part of it. Last week, we talked about how the church is not a place that we come or an event that we attend, but it's a movement we're part of. So I wanna build on that this week, and I wanna talk about how the church has a mission and the mission has a church. And so I'm really excited to share this with you. If you could hang on to this idea, the church has a mission and the mission has a church. This is our starting point. It's really kind of a summary of the things that we're gonna talk about today. When Jesus, when Jesus started his church, he had a very particular thing in mind. He didn't, he didn't create his church just because. He didn't create it because his followers needed a place. He created a church because he had a very particular thing in mind. He created a church for the mission, for the mission that he had in mind. It was his mission and it was the mission that he handed off to his first followers and they handed off to the next generation. And we live in a generation where we've received this baton and we're passing it on to the generation behind us. The church has a mission and Jesus cares so much about this mission that he gave it a church. The church is Jesus's strategy for the mission that he came, that he began, and that continues in our world. So what I wanna do in our time together today is I wanna talk with us a little bit more about this mission that Jesus has given to us, and then I would like to share with you some practical ways that you could join in, that you could be involved, and then I'll finish up with some discussion questions as we're in this series. One of the things that we're doing at the end of all of our sermons, we're having um, some discussion questions for you in your small groups or in your car ride home or around meal table after service, but to let these things sink in a little farther so that you can remember them. So to, to talk about this mission a little bit more, I wanna share with you three conversations that Jesus had. Now what's unique about each one of these conversations, they all happened after Jesus rose again from the dead. So he came from heaven, from God the Father, and he lived on this earth, and he died on a cross, and he was buried, and he rose again from the dead. And after he rose from the dead, he was on earth for 40 days. We know that from the gospel accounts in the New Testament of the Bible. He was on the earth for 40 days and he appeared to his followers, to other people, um, a, new, a number of times in order to 
make sure that like he was establishing that he was really alive. And so convincing proof of that. And also in that 40 days, he was taking time to make sure they understood why, when he went back to heaven, why they were, like why they existed. And, and this church that he was going to build, this church that he was gonna gift to them what, what that church's thing was, why that church was coming into existence because the church has a mission and the mission has a church. So I wanna start this little conversation with a conversation Jesus had with his first followers it's in the Gospel of John chapter 20. This was, this was the day Jesus rose again from the dead. So he, he engages his first followers with what this mission is like in his first conversations with them after he rose again from the dead. So in this 40-day window where he's prepping them, he's, he starts with this. And so in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 21, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And he just kind of appeared in the room and so of course it freaked everybody out and so he speaks peace into and over that emotional response to him just showing up where they were. And after he said this, he showed them his hands because he had been nailed to the cross and he showed them his side because the soldier had pierced his side with a spear and to, to prove to them that it was really him and the disciples, when they figured out it was Jesus, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And then he tells them what it's about. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And that was a statement he made in that room the first time that he appears to his followers, but that's a statement that he makes to and over his followers every day. If that is an ongoing statement for your life and for my life, if you're a believer in Jesus, what you, what you have to know is that you have been sent by Jesus the same way the Father sent him. It's a little phrase that's been running around in my head for about the last years. I've been engaging with this and just again, and, and pressing into it is the idea of living sent. Living sent, so I live my life, I aspire to live my life as a person who has been sent by Jesus the way that God the Father sent Jesus. And so, and so thinking about that, everywhere I go, I've been sent by Jesus. Every room I walk into, I have been sent by Jesus into that room. Now I might have other reasons for being in that room. I might be at a work meeting, I might be meeting friends for lunch or dinner, I might be hanging out with people over coffee, I mean there's a hundred different reasons of why I could be in a place, I might be coming to watch somebody at a sporting event, like there'd be a lot of reasons that I'm in a place, but the, the first and greatest reason that I am anywhere I am is because I have been sent by Jesus to that spot. And, and the same is true for you. If you're a believer in Jesus, he is sending you every room you go into. He sent you into that room. And to me, that is an, that is an amazing thing, that he, that he cares enough about me that I'm not just moving around, breathing, taking up space, being entertained by certain things, but that I have a purpose. 
I have, I have a mission and he cares enough about the people that I'm around that he would send somebody like me into their life. It's amazing to me that I would get to represent him in those places. But if you're a follower of Jesus, as the Father sent him, he sends you. And he sends you for the purpose of impacting the spiritual temperature of every room you're in. So when you, when you boil all that down, what you get to hear in that is, is you, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are a spiritual leader. Let that sink in for just a moment. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're a spiritual leader. Because the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sends you, he sends you into every place you go, every place you go, he's sending you for the purpose of impacting the spiritual temperature in the lives of the people who are present there. As the Father sent me, Jesus said, I'm sending you. Now I talked about this back in January. And so just kind of way of review for us, there are some specific ways that the Father sent Jesus that good for us to be reminded, good for us to consider as we think about being people who are sent into the different places that we go in the ordinary course of our lives. There's some ways that Jesus sent us that we need to think about and process and hold on to as we go into those rooms as spiritual leaders on his behalf. And so four of the things, and I've given you, this is basically the slide from back in January, if you're, if you're one of those people who can remember what I talked about that long ago, like I mean, like first of all, congratulations to you, and second of all, this is the same slide. So we hang on to this thing. This is, this is important though, how the Father sent Jesus first. When you think about the culture we live in, the people who are in the rooms where you go, this is, the Father sent Jesus this way, and this is the way he sends you and me, not to condemn them. Like it's, it, we're not on a condemnation mission, we're on a rescue mission. And, and you're not the rescuer, I'm not the rescuer, Jesus is the rescuer. But, but we, are, we are sent by him into those rooms, not to, not to condemn people for the lives that they're living, for the choices they make, for the posture that they take, for what they happen to believe in this moment. Like We're not, we're not agents of condemnation. We're, we're agents of rescue, and so the, Jesus came not to condemn us, but to, to save us, and you and I get to move into the rooms that we move into, the same kind of posture and the same kind of attitude. Jesus didn't come for the spiritually healthy. He came to people who were spiritually sick. And so when you think about where you're sent, like Jesus usually had those conversations with people who, who believed about themselves that they had it all together. And they were people who looked at Jesus and they spoke down to him and they were condemning of him and because they didn't agree with him and their, their posture was we are the spiritually healthy and Jesus was always really clear, hey, I didn't, I'm not coming to the people who've got it all figured out, I'm not, the not coming for the people who've got it all together. I've come, like I come to be with the people who are in spiritual need and so you and I get to adopt that same posture too. We get to, we get to seek out and be around people who have spiritual need. And so that's, that's a really cool opportunity that we get. We get to not, we didn't come, Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give. And so you and I, when we, when we go, because we've been sent, we don't walk in the room in charge, we don't walk in the room, you might be leading the meeting, you might be leading the conversation, you might be in one way, you might be in charge of that, but you're not there for the purpose of being in charge. Jesus sent you 
to serve and to give. There's sacrifice involved because Jesus came on a sacrifice mission. He came to sacrifice himself for us and so you and I get to be people who are sacrificial as well into the lives of other people. So not to be served but to serve and to give. And then the last one we hold on to very deeply, not alone but together. Not alone but together. Jesus talked about how the Father was always with him, the Spirit was with him. Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit exists as a triune Godhead. Jesus did not come to this world alone by himself. He came in relationship with the Father and he also entered into human relationships and you and I have the privilege of being with people. And even if in the moment, like I'm walking into a meeting, I'm the, I'm the only one that I know in this room who's a follower of Jesus, I'm not alone. So I've got other people in my life who are part of my life and who are with me and who are for me as I step into this. And so I'm being sent, like I'm being sent by Jesus as a spiritual leader to make a difference, to change the spiritual temperature of a room and be involved in the spiritual life of other people. Like that's, that's how Jesus sent you. So can you imagine when, when your feet hit the floor tomorrow, if you could just hear Jesus say, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Whether, whether you're going to hang out with friends and family or whether you're going to a ball game or whether you're going to work, wherever it is you're going, if your feet hit the floor as you step into the day tomorrow, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Now, if you're feeling that, there's, there's a group of us who are gonna say, <laughs> not, not me, right? Not me, you're talking, you're ta- you, you Jesus, you're sending me to go be a spiritual leader. Have you seen the way I live? <laughs> have, you, have you seen what I don't know? Do you, do you understand what I haven't figured out yet? Right, I mean, when, when you feel the weight of, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, is there, is there a part of you that says, I, I, am, I am not, like I don't know enough for that, I haven't been in this long enough to do that, Surely there's somebody who's more qualified than me. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure I'm all the way in. And Jesus looks at, at if, if you're saying, if I'm the best you got, Jesus, like, I, I don't know where we're going from here. So if that's you, if that's you, if you feel the weight of, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, if you feel the weight of that, can I show you this second conversation? I think this second conversation that Jesus had with his followers would be really encouraging to you. In Matthew chapter 28, so this is the end of Matthew's gospel. This is sometime in between that first night where Jesus showed up and said, I'm sending you. And at the end, when he, will look at the verse when he said, you're gonna be my witnesses and he went back to heaven. So this, this happened somewhere in between there and we don't have a really good timeline of it. But this is a middle conversation that Jesus had with his followers. So the 11 disciples, Matthew 28, verse 16, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So this is what I would say to those of you who who hear Jesus say, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, and say, (laughs) um, there's gotta be somebody better. Right? There's gotta be somebody who's a better Christian that you could send into this environment. 
This, this to me is an amazing little statement about Jesus' first followers. They, they gather around him and they see him and they all worship him. And some of them doubt. And some of them doubt. So I think it was a year ago, Dr. Bill Kuhn was here and he was speaking and he pointed this out and I don't think I'd ever considered it before. That first group of people that Jesus walked with for all those years and knew him and had seen him resurrected from the dead. Like they were eyewitnesses of these things. Some of them had doubts. And to that group of people who all worshiped and some of them were doubters, some of them hadn't figured it all out yet, not all the dots connected for them, they weren't fully convinced. There was some stuff they didn't know yet. There were some things they hadn't learned, they had stuff they hadn't leaned into. Jesus looks at that group of people who all worshiped him and some of them doubted. He looks at that group of people and he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here's the deal. You can worship and have doubts. You can, you can be a believer in and follower of Jesus and not have it all figured out. If there's room for faith, if there's room for faith, there has to be room for doubt. And so you can be a person who is yes to Jesus and still not sure about some stuff. And, and you've gotta lean in, right, to that stuff that you're not sure about those doubts, you've gotta ask your questions and press in and search for answers, but you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have the whole thing figured out in order to be part of the greatest mission ever given. Like this mission that Jesus has given to his church and he cares so much about that he gave a church to it, like this is the greatest mission ever. And this isn't, this isn't just like a mission impossible if you will accept it kind of thing. This is the mission. This is the reason for the church's existence. And so if the church just looks at this mission that Jesus has given and just shrugs its shoulders and says, eh, I don't know, eh, send somebody else, eh, not me today, like we've totally missed it. And so, so for you who says, I'm not a spiritual leader, I, I don't know, I haven't experienced, I'm not sure about, if you're a person who worships and have doubts, that's okay. You do not have to let your doubts cause you, keep you from being able to participate in the greatest mission ever given. You, you do not have to, your doubts don't have to hold you back. In fact, let me say this to you. The best way to lean into and to confront your doubt and to figure out what it is that you really believe is to double down on what you already know. Like it's to double down on what you're already sure of. It's to, it's to not, just, not just know it, not just believe it, but actually live it out and live it out in front of other people. The best way to, to step into and find your way through the doubt in your life so that you don't miss participating in the greatest mission ever given is to double down on it. Where there's room for faith, there's room for doubt but you can move through doubt 
It doesn't have to be a room that you get stuck in for the rest of your life, it could be a hallway for you. And so you can move through doubt by doubling down on what you're already convinced of. And to be a person who not only knows something and believes it, but actually lives it out. And what Jesus said, like kind of the the summary of this four verses that we've read here in this part of his, his mission to his church, he says to us like, hey, go make disciples. Make disciples. So here's what a disciple is. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a follower. A disciple is somebody whose life is so impacted and so influenced by another person that they start to be like that other person. So so I read this this week, and this was fascinating to me. Jesus was born into, grew up in, and his life existed in the educational system of his life was a rabbi and disciples. And so, so the, it was a life on life kind of deal. What you and I experience in the West is a teacher and student model, where the teacher communicates information and I learn, as a student, I learn the information, but whether the teacher's life has any impact on my life, like that, that's separate from the deal. And so, so for us as 21st century Western people, when we think about the relationship of Jesus with those first followers, he was certainly their teacher. But he wasn't just their teacher, he was their rabbi and they were his disciples and he's our rabbi and we're his disciples, we are followers, we are learners, we are people who are so engaged with Jesus, his life, his life so impacts our life that eventually as as we are engaged with him, we get to become like him. And as we become like him, then we have this beautiful opportunity, like we we are disciples, we are followers and learners of Jesus, and he's just looked at us and he says, hey, okay, so, so your deal as a follower, as a learner, as someone whose life is being impacted by Jesus' life, our deal is to make disciples. And so, and so we get to be part of introducing people to Jesus. We get to be part of introducing people to Jesus. That's really, that's really what you can do. You can't, you can't make a disciple. You can't make a disciple. If you've, you've engaged with enough people to know and I've engaged with enough people to know, I can't make you do anything. You can't make me or somebody else do anything. Like You can't make me into anyone, anything. But you could introduce me to someone who will transform my life. And I could introduce you to someone who will transform your life. If, if I could make an introduction, if you are a person who has met Jesus and you have been impacted by his love, his compassion, his grace, his life, his light, like if you've really met him, you wanna know him. He is, he is intriguing, he is, he is interesting, he is, He's, he is somebody that when you've met him, you wanna move towards him, and he is the kind of person you want the people that you know and love to meet too. And so this make disciples thing, really what this make disciples thing is about, this make disciples thing is about people like you and me who have met Jesus, introducing the people we know to him. I can make an introduction. 
And if I'll make an introduction, I think Jesus will take it, I know Jesus will take it from there. That's what happened in my life, that's what happened in your life, somebody introduced you to him, and he took it from there. And so if, if you and I will step, make disciples, we get to the privilege of introducing people to Jesus. And, and so if you wonder what that looks like, okay, so like real life, if I were introducing somebody to Jesus, okay, I don't, I'm barely, so you're, you're barely buying that you're a spiritual leader, right? You're just barely buying that with me right now, that you're a spiritual leader, that you have spiritual influence, that, that the same way that God the Father sent Jesus to the earth, when your feet hit the floor in the morning, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So if you just buy that with me just a little bit, and he's sending you to make disciples, to introduce people to him, okay, so what is that in a, in a practical way, what does that look like? Third conversation. It's recorded for us in Acts chapter one, verse eight. These are the last words Jesus spoke before he ascended back to heaven. He was with his, he was with his first followers, and they were having a final conversation. And so the, some of the first things he said to him when he rose again from the dead, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. The last thing he says to him before he goes back to heaven, he says, hey, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We're gonna talk about that next week. You're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Like you get to... You get to go to hard places in your, in your city and in your region and around the globe. Like you get, to, you get to go and be my witness. Wherever you go, you get to be my witness. I'm sending you as the Father sent me. You go, you go introduce people to me. You get to be a witness. You know what a witness does? A witness is very simply somebody who shares what they've seen, heard, experienced. That's what a witness is. Somebody who shares what they have seen, what they have heard, what they've experienced. And, that, and that's, that's, that's all you've got, really, right? When you think about being a spiritual leader, when you think about having somebody, being somebody who has spiritual influence, what you've got is, is what you have seen, what you have heard, what you've experienced in your relationship with Jesus. And so when Jesus looks at his followers and says that I'm sending you to make disciples, to be my witnesses, what he wants of you is to be a person who shares what you've seen and what you've heard and what you've experienced. You don't, you don't have to share something that you don't know. You don't have to share something that you have not seen, heard, or experienced. He doesn't call, he doesn't call you, he doesn't send you to go share something that you can't witness, right? You can't be a witness to or for. He says, hey, go share what you've seen and what you have heard and what you've experienced. You don't have to share anything beyond that but I think it's fair to say that we should share what we have seen and what we have heard and what we have experienced. And so, and so we have this, oh, this amazing thing that Jesus has said, is the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So let me take you back to the first message that started this series. If you weren't here, real quick. I talked about the importance of getting out of your comfort zone. If, if, you, if you are with me, and you're hearing what I'm saying, like if you're picking up what I'm laying down right now, there, there's, just, there's a little bit of discomfort in this, right? If, you're, if, you are, if you are thinking about a room you walk into, whether it's work or school or family gathering, like if you're thinking about a room that you walk into and feeling, you'll say, wait, 
I'll hope that we all get to the point where we would say privilege of being able to be a spiritual leader in that room. If you're feeling the weight, there, there's something in you that's saying, so your comfort zone, nothing good happens in your comfort zone. Like there's, there's, there's no growth in your comfort zone. There's no forward in your comfort zone. Like you, in your comfort zone, you enjoy the things that God has given to you. You enjoy the blessings that he's poured out in your life. And you sit in your safe little spot and you get what you get and you have what you have. You get outside of your comfort zone. Remember we talked about what's outside that comfort zone. We looked at the life of Abraham. God said, hey, if you'll step outside of everything that's familiar to you, you'll get beyond everything that you know. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. What's outside your comfort zone is not just a blessing from God, but the opportunity to be a blessing in the lives of other people. So could we grab onto that word bless? And let me, let me share through that word bless, let me share with you what this might look like for you to be a person who represents Jesus in the lives of the people who are around you. This little strategy comes from a couple of guys, two brothers named Dave and John Ferguson, and their premise is, we've been blessed, so we should be a blessing. We've been blessed, so we should be a blessing, and so here's just a little acronym to hang on to, some ways that you can be a blessing in the lives of other people being sent by Jesus the way the Father sent him. So be in bless starts with, begin with prayer. And we say it around here all the time. First of all, pray. Like that's the first thing. This is, you're making an introduction, but what happens from here is God's work. And God works in response to your prayers to my prayers. So first of all, pray. We have an incredible privilege, incredible opportunity to pray for the people that God has put into our lives. And so we begin with prayer. And then we listen. This is, this is, a, this, is where I, this is where I would say the big C church, all of us lumped together, this is where maybe we haven't been as good as we could be. Maybe where we've gotten off track and we've, we've hurt some relationships on the front end because we have something we want to say. And instead of engaging in relational work with people, engaging in relationship with people, we have walked in to pronounce and declare. And there's a place for pronouncing and declaring but we should listen, we should listen. You have a great opportunity to hear people's hearts, to hear who they are, to, to engage in relationship, to become friends with people and find out where they are spiritually, find out where they are in life, and we, to listen to them and, and not for, they're not projects, people aren't projects, people are people. And so, so we get to listen to them and be engaged in their life and to enter into where they are. Begin with prayer, listen, the E is for eat together. Yes and amen, like we can all do this, right? Eat together. Eating together is an intimate act. I don't know if you've thought about that, but eating together is, like, there is intimacy that is developed when people share a meal together. And so, so we're engaging in listening and eating together, developing intimacy and relationship with people because Jesus came on a love mission. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and he sends us because he loves and so we get to love. So we pray and we listen and we eat together and then we get a chance to serve people. That's is for serve. Not here, Jesus said, to be served but to serve and to give myself. This is the posture and an attitude, I'm, I'm a servant. And serving isn't a one-way deal. When you're in relationship with somebody else, 
Like you'll serve them, they serve you. If you need somebody to put your trash out, your neighbor can help put your trash out while you're on trip, they can put, you can put their trash out. Like you can serve each other and that builds relationship. And as we are praying for people and listening to them and eating together, there's intimacy in the relationship, we're serving each other. At some point, stories come up. Stories about their life, stories about our life, stories about what's important to them, stories about what's important to me. And, and in these opportunities, now I get to share what I have seen, heard, experienced about Jesus. And all I'm doing is making an introduction. I can't make a disciple, but I can make an introduction. And I can't force anybody to believe anything. I stand up here every weekend and talk to you guys about deeply important things, and I can't make any of you believe any of this. But I can tell this to you, and I can share things with you, and, and I can make an introduction to you, and God will, God will take it from there. And so as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sends you into the world. And you get to be a person who, who loves and who listens and who prays. You get to be a person of blessing. If you'll step outside of your comfort zone, you get to be a person who blesses the people who are around you. You get to receive a blessing from God and give a blessing to the people who are around you. So I'm gonna pray that for us in just a minute. Before I do, I wanna share with you some discussion questions that I hope will help you take this conversation to a next level in your groups, in your families. If you don't have anybody, if you're not signed up to be in a group yet, I think we're gonna tell you in a few minutes about how you can be part of a group so that you can talk with other people about these things. These discussion questions really quickly. From the sermon, what did you find interesting, challenging, or helpful? Somebody in the group, please speak up, right? It would kill me. I spent 35 minutes up here with you guys and nobody found one thing even interesting. So like, right, so just stick up for me for a minute in all that, and if nobody speaks up, don't email me and tell me. I don't need to hear that, all right? It's just a joke. But what, what did you grab from this? Or what are you still pondering from this is the first question. Second, reread John 20, 19 through 21. That's the section, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. How do you think the first followers felt when they heard Jesus say this? How do you feel about him saying this to you? Like when you think about tomorrow morning, your feet hitting the floor and Jesus just speaking to your heart and saying, hey, the way the Father sent me, I'm sending you. What you're going into today, I'm sending you into that. How do you feel about that? Third question, what comes to mind when you read Make Disciples and Be My Witnesses? So what kind of experiences have you had with these sorts of things? And so does this, does this raise church baggage for you if you're a person who's been around church a long time? Does this raise Fear for you, does this raise confidence for you? Are you? Like, what comes to mind when you hear these things, when you think about these things? Do you see yourself, next question, more as a worshiper or a doubter? Everybody worshiped, some of them doubted. Where, do you, where would you say like, hey, I am in that, and why would you say that about yourself? Or do you see yourself more as a worshiper or a doubter? And then when we talk about that bless, who comes to mind for you in that? Because there's somebody, when I was talking about praying for and listening to and eating with and serving and stories coming out of all of that, is there somebody that you, that you thought about? Maybe it's somebody you work with, maybe it's somebody you go to school with, maybe it's somebody you live next door to, maybe it's somebody in your family, maybe it's somebody who is a victim of certain things. Like It could be any number of people, but did somebody come to mind for you or as you talk about it 
in those next conversations, like, listen for who comes to mind. Who do, you, who do you think of when that comes up? And what might be a next step for you in that relationship and the opportunity that you have in order to introduce them to Jesus? I think you'll have those conversations. It'll be really encouraging for you and really helpful for you as you, as you receive this beautiful gift that Jesus has given to us by sending us the way the Father sent him. So can I pray for you? And after I pray, the band's gonna sing this song for us. It's just a moment of commitment. So you bow your head and close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of a mission that we don't have to live our lives doing the best that we can do, finding ways to fill our, our hours and our days, that you have given us a greater purpose, greater reason for being present in the lives of other people. And you see and you hear our hearts and you know how it makes us shake a little bit when we hear that idea of being sent the way Jesus was sent. So would you speak into and speak over that for us? We have seen, we have heard, we have experienced some amazing things in you and because of you, Jesus. Our friends, our relatives, our acquaintances, our neighbors, our colleagues, they, they need to meet you. What you're offering, they need too. And so we wanna be people on mission with you. We wanna be present in the lives of our friends and neighbors. For you, Jesus. And so this goodness comes to us through you and so we are praying these things in your name, amen.
beautiful song and what a beautiful commitment, isn't it? Maybe it's simply your next step is just telling the Lord, here I am. Send me. Because I love you. I love you, Lord. We're in Next Steps Church, and we're just really encouraging that every time that you leave this place, that you have that moment and that commitment to the Lord of what that might look like moving into your next week. And as Daryl was talking about living scent, maybe that's your next step, is just simply waking up each morning and say, God, I wanna live scent today. Help me to see the opportunities in front of me that you give me. Here I am, Lord, send me. As a follower of Christ, it's what he's commissioned us to do. So I'd encourage you, as you leave today, just to take this moment with you and to ask the Lord what that step might be for you. And maybe he's been talking to you during this message and talking to you during this song about um, just impressing it upon your heart what that is. And I would also encourage you to share it. There's a banner right outside um, in the lobby that we're just encouraging people throughout this series. If you feel impressed upon your heart that God is laying something on your heart for a next step for you, just to simply write it down on the banner. It's a great way to encourage each one of us as we go by that banner and read people's next steps. It's also encouraging as you walk in the door each week and see what you wrote down to remind you what God has been speaking to your heart. So thanks for being with us today. Um, If you need prayer today before you leave, come on up front. We'll have a prayer team up front. We'd love to pray with you. Thanks for joining us this weekend. Have a great rest of your weekend.